We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. So we're stoked to be here. It is home opener. Yes. MLS is back in Kansas City, and uh, we're here to spend a solid two hours previewing not only the match, but just going through what uh, sporting has done thus far in 2019. We've got some good things for you. We're going to check in uh, with Matt Lawrence, color analyst, uh, Sporting Kansas City TV. He's out at Children's Mercy Park. He's been there since about 10 a.m. And uh, he's going to give us a rundown of what he expects to see today from both Sporting Kansas City and the Philadelphia Union. I'm excited to hear from him. He's always uh, informative and entertaining. Uh, big matchup, so we're pretty excited about it. And uh, I don't know, guys. I'm I'm just grateful to Spec for letting us sit down here for the next couple hours and talk about sporting. Uh, big game, so so a lot of things coming up. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, this is a uh, a very very important moment. This is a very very important game for the uh, for Sporting Kansas City. Um, it's really early in the season. They've played a lot of games. Uh, they've played Concacaf games. They played their first MLS Cup game this uh, last Sunday against the uh, against LAFC. Did not end the way that you wanted it to end, but now you're home. Now you have an opportunity to to right the ship. You have an opportunity to get in front of your fans and show them why you were number one in the Western Conference at the end of the regular season. So this is really really important for them. I know that the the team is really really. Uh, they're stoked about this game. They're ready for it, and uh, they kind of seem a little bit more recharged now that they've come back to Kansas City after having made the trip to L.A. and then went all the way down to Panama. So, yeah, this is a very, very important game for them just from a mental standpoint. Right. So you mentioned it. They've been traveling. Now they are traveling on a charter, which is a little bit nicer than, you know, your typical waiting on flights and whatnot. However, they've still they've put in some miles already thus far. So as Chris alluded to, we did see some fatigue in a couple of the matches, and hopefully now getting back to KC, um, having a couple nights rest in their own bed, they'll be recharged. But uh, Chris got to hang out with them at Media Day, just yes, no Friday. Friday, it um, was uh, it was really fun. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they I'll tell you this, they treated me really special. Oh, he got the they VIP did. treatment. I did. They treated me really. I was in the Shield Club. Which, uh, you know, if you've ever been inside the uh, press conference room for sporting, it, Shield Club's right there. Leads right out to the field. It is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they treated us like royalty the entire time there. I was very pleasantly surprised because it was the first time I had done media any for any uh, any sort of team, and they had treated me that well. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that, guys. I think that is the norm for sporting. I think that they're known for uh, setting the bar, um, whether it be innovative technology in the stadium or just the way they host their media days. Um, I know that they strive to be a leader in the league, and uh, I think that's obvious. I think that's proof of it. Uh, What was the general vibe? Were there a lot of media members? I know we'll get into more of what you learned at media day, but tell us a little bit about just overall vibes. Were people you know, as stoked about MLS coming back to Kansas City as, as we are right now? Uh, 
as far as like the media, I mean, the media was sporting Kansas City media is not like uh, like Royals or Chiefs media. Um, they're pretty chill. They're pretty lax. You know, it's not like you know, like you if you've you, you obviously have worked with the Chiefs. Uh, I've done gone to Chiefs games before. Uh, it can be a little stiff and starch at times. Um, it can be you know, especially like with the with the way that. Because the Chiefs are like really, they're they're, up. they're business. <laughs> they're they're about they're about the business, and so you go up there, and it's it's you know people are kind of on their p's and q's, and you know, Royals games are a little bit different. Uh, the Royals are they're a little bit lax, but still they are you know an, a major league baseball team, and so you know there's still a certain stiff and starchness. And 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 here's the thing about it is like you know when you go into like the cafeteria in the press box at at uh at um Kaufman Stadium and you see Steve Fiziok and Denny Matthews and Ryan Lefevre all sitting at a table eating, you know. There's a certain level of prestige that comes with that. Um but with the the MLS hasn't quite reached that level of the prestige yet. And so they're still trying to kind of reach they're still they're still trying to reach that point with the media where they're trying to like, hey, we are one of the major leagues in in sports here in America. So they kind of have to go out of the way to get people like they want people to be there. And so they're going to get you they're going to give you a little bit more because they want people to be there. Mm-hmm. And you know like for like the Royals and for the Chiefs, people going to be there anyway. They're all good. they're going to be too many people there. Yeah, people are gonna, <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, like the Royals are like, eh, let's not have so many people there on opening day cuz you know, you if you've ever been opening day press box at at Kaufman, it's full. It's full. It's never full any other time except for the playoffs. It is full on opening day. There's no seats. People have to stand. People have to sit in the cafeteria behind the press seating because there's so many people there. Um, but for sporting, you know, they're they, you know they're still trying to get that mainstream coverage, and so they're going to give you more. And they're going to there's it's going to be a lot more of a lax environment. When you know when we went there, they had just players out. Sitting at different right. tables at the Shield Club, hanging out, right? Hanging out, you know. It was just like it was like what, you know, like it, you could have your own like private candlelight dinner with these people. <laughs> no security. No security. <laughs> There's not like some buff security dude sitting there. It's not like like you didn't have like the communications guy standing over you as you're asking questions. What they were just chill. Yeah, it was, it was different. You go to Kaufman and you go into the clubhouse, and they're uh, they're they got they got they got security. They got the community. Um, the communications guys like. Wait. Okay. As yep. soon as you get your questions, okay. Oh, well, no more questions. You know. Great. So that's now, yeah. that's how it is. Like they'll give you a little bit more with sporting. Let me. Yeah. Can I ask you this? Is it, so? Last year we went to ours. Uh, we went yeah. to the opening last year, mm-hmm. um, and they had it at the training facility. At Pinnacle, yeah. Do because know, it was brand new. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They wanted to show it off to us. Okay. Yeah. So is that why they kind of did it in a different spot this? I think uh, this year because than, they didn't show it. They didn't have anything to show off. Any special new facility to show off. I think that's why they did it at uh, at, at Children's Mercy Park this time around. Yeah, I think they brought it back because that's the norm. I think you have to do something at Pinnacle when it's brand new and people yeah. people are genuinely curious as yeah. to what the insides consisted of, et cetera. But And they wanted to stun on people. You know, like, I hey, mean, look at our nice, beautiful training facility. And everything they have in there, I don't even know if it was all done yet, but the barbershop, the video games, like all of the extracurriculars, I mean, all of that stuff is braggable. Like, you yeah. want to brag about it? Yeah, but you want to stun on people. Then all of the rehab elements as well. The sleeping pods, the everything they have. So they I have think sleeping that's cool. pods there? Yeah. What? It's insane. Like, how big are these sleeping pods? I, I like would imagine not that big because soccer players are not that big. They, yeah, they weren't. I was I was down on the field. I, I was in that, when I was in the Shield Club, 
I was uh, I was taller than most of those guys. I think I no, I think I was probably just as tall or taller than most of the players on the team. I was when I was there. So obviously twenty seventeen. So it's the majority of the roster is the same. I would say. Yeah. I was taller, as tall or taller than most, and I'm yeah. I'm not. Opara was the only guy. Yeah. Opara and Shelton were the only two guys on the team that were taller than me last year. Well, that's the beauty of the sport, right? You don't yeah. have to be the biggest. Strongest, that fastest is, yeah, person. Messi's like five foot six. It, it's, I think. it's more based off athleticism. Yeah, and so. I think that there is a lot of uh, mental aspects of soccer that you yes, can agreed. trump the physical. Yeah, it's, um, not, it's a elements. finesse sport. Yeah, it's not a it's but not I, a physical sport. It's getting a back sport. to the kind of access, if you will, of media day with sporting in regards to comparing it to Royals and Chiefs, I think that this has a lot to do with the fact that. As you mentioned, Chris, like MLS knows they have to build the game. So I think that these guys are just way more. I think this is how I put it typically that their pedestal is a bit lower than NFL athletes or even yeah. MLB or NBA. Yeah. But they embrace it. You know, they go with it. They're fun. They get to know you by name. Like, they goof around. And I also do love the fact that with Sporting Kansas City, I imagine this is the same across MLS, but there are also um, – many different outlets from different language um tv and radio and there's good coverage from all different kind of areas i guess um i don't know that you see that as much the sport is cross-cultural yes exactly yeah so, much so. but yeah. It, it, it's represented even in the media coverage which yes. i think is a plus so yeah i, I do and I, and that's that was one of the things that you you kind of get when you you're watching the game and you're like there's a lot more diversity yeah. when you're like, especially you know, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit later. But like you know, Peter Vermees spent five minutes during his press conference speaking Spanish Woo! because you had multiple Spanish outlets out there. He would have gone for ten if you let him. He would have. Uh, maybe uh, he was he he was that, it was towards the end, Show so off. he might have like uh, yeah he was showing off. He made me he just had to flex a little he, bit. But good for he him, made man. me feel inferior when he was spent five <laughs> minutes speaking in Spanish. I was like, I need to up my Japanese game because I don't think I could. I don't think I could spend five minutes speaking as in-depth in Japanese, and I studied it in college. So, But, I, like, think about how many of his players are multi- he has to. He's yeah, a, yeah, he exactly. has numerous players, yeah. and so it's easier. It's easier for, and, and here's the thing is, like, that's, this is one of the things that's, like, those players on that team that speak Spanish are learning English quick. And this is one of the things They're we've seen with the Royals, to. too. Yeah, they yeah. have no choice. Yeah, this is one of the things, like, Royals, too, is, like, if I remember when Alcides Escobar, the first time I met him, he did not know very much English at all. And then you see him, like, a year and a half later, and his English was great. You know, you when he was doing interviews uh, when the when the Royals were uh, you know, go, making a deep playoff run. Eventually, they won the World Series, and he was doing full on English interviews. You see him in like 2013, 2012. Same with Salvi. He was speaking. Oh, well, Salvi was Salvi's English was was it was much uh, it was, better it than was pretty touch and go. When, it was touch and go, but it was better than Esky's though. Esky's English he didn't know very much English except for a few phrases. And he picked the, he picked it up really really quickly. He was really good at it by the time the Royals had won the World Series. You know, I, Felipe Gutierrez he, he could speak pretty good English. <laughs> he was does, there. he was doing it pretty well. Ilya he went from he his very first year here, uh, so his very first match he was my post game interview, and the poor guy thought that I asked him something completely different than I asked him. I think I remember that. And he even wrote, we wrote an article about it later. I think he was like, Jillian asked me a question and I completely answered it very incorrectly. And he was like, I had no idea what she was saying and I answered it wrong. But you speak to him today yeah. and he's doing well. Yeah. He actually, so Ilya, um, Diego Rubio when he was here and Christian Lobato when he was here, they actually had a professor come out to the training facility and, and teach them English. I think the Royals do that too. 
Which I think, I think is I think amazing. The Royals do that too. I think that's great, and I think it will benefit you know, benefit them immensely. So um, we are coming up on our first break here. But wanted to let you know what we have in store for you. Obviously, we talked about Matt Lawrence, um, color analyst for SKC TV, joining us. We're also going to hear more about what Chris learned at Media Day. We're going to break down offense, defense. We'll hear from Zussi. I believe we'll hear from Namath. Uh, a little bit of PV and his bilingual intelligence there. Um, we'll also just break down the game. Um, we do have some really great uh, updates for the World Cup bid that Kansas City has officially entered. We'll hear from, I believe, David Ficklin on that, Jake David Reed. David Ficklin and Jake Reed did a joint press conference on Friday, so we'll play clips from that. Very informative. I love the fact that their passion comes through. Um, we've got a lot of work to do as a city and as the Midwest on that bid, so we'll tell you a little bit about how you can participate and, of course, that will bump, we will bump right up to the kickoff of the match. So hang with us, and we will keep you informed on the upcoming match. All right. Welcome back into the first-ever Sporting Kansas City special on 610 AM radio. You have the Jillian Carroll Uno Cero crew. Not the Chris Powell crew, the Chris Thank Uno you. Sarah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm working on that. I'm working on it. Just trying to give you credit, man. Just Progress, trying to help you out. Yeah. Follow him. I don't like using my real name on the air. So. <laughs> um, so previewing the game, we've talked a little bit about uh, Chris had the opportunity to attend Media Day Friday. Um, we've all been watching, you know, they've had a busy 2019 already. Yeah, really busy. Four matches in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Three in CONCACAF, one in uh, the MLS. One... Standout match. I thought the first Toluca match obviously was excellent. I th- I thought both of them were really really good. Uh, um, the second one was really good because you went to Mexico and <laughs> you're playing in. I mean that's high elevation. That's eight thousand feet yeah. above sea level. Very different. And you know they just came out of preseason. Yeah. So yeah. they're not match fit. Yet. And so yeah, like so you see that and you're like you know you're eight thousand feet above sea level. Oxygen. That that stuff affects you when you when you're when your ox, the oxygen levels are lower where where they are and you you went into a hostile environment. The Mexican fans they are known for being rabid. They are known for being very hostile towards opposing fans, especially when American teams go there. And so for them to go in and to set that precedent and to go out there and dominate. I mean, Toluca after that first goal looked like they were done mentally. They looked like they had quit. I think they were stunned. Yeah, they were stunned that they went out and got that first goal and made and it look easy. Obviously, Toluca was going through some things with their with themselves. I think seven matches and yeah, like, they just fired their manager. Yeah, the week they went before. through some stuff. However, take that out of the equation. Uh, Sporting Kansas City still came out and had an impressive first match. So uh, from there, they went to LAFC mm-hmm. on the road. Decent match. Uh, looked pretty tired toward the end. Very there. tired. A <laughs> lot, lot of sloppy fouls. A uh, lot of there was sloppy, especially in the second half. A lot of sloppy play there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can you can certainly look at the fatigue and say it, it played a factor in it for sure. There was obviously some things that weren't fatigue. I, I think there might have been a little bit of overzealous refing there. I mean, Ooh. I see I see some things in <laughs> Europe, and I'm like, eh. They, they, there are plays in Europe that they don't call it a yellow card, and then he was calling anything. You breathe on a guy, you get a yellow card in that LAFC game. So there were certainly some questions there about the officiating. But overall, I do think, yeah, fatigue played a part in it. There sure. were, what, six yellow cards? Seven? 
seven in the first half. I think. In the fr- yeah, on the first. I half. think it was seven in the first, and it was like three for uh, for LAFC, but seven and a half. And I, a lot of, I mean, some of the stuff surely was. I yeah, mean, I thought so. Felipe think- got a really bad one where he again, it was it was looked like it was a fatigue. He just yeah. fatigue play. He just slid into him really sloppily. Didn't need to slide there because he wasn't going to get there anyways. And you know so. I, I certainly think fatigue had played a factor in it, but still, there was there, there was a little bit of overzealous ref in there. <laughs> well, we are prepping to hear from Matt Lawrence, obviously color analyst for Sporting Kansas City TV. He is out at Children's Mercy Park. I'm certain by now uh, the parking lots are filling up. I'm sure that the cauldron is stoked. I'm sure that they've been tailgating. I'm sure the drums are ready and warm and maybe even going already. Um, we always know that the environment and um, the atmosphere at Children's Mercy is c- electric. It's unlike any other. Um, you know, you could say Arrowhead I mean, is one I thing. I think Arrowhead's a little bit better. Well, I, you could say Arrowhead is one thing. It's just a different. The atmosphere in-game is different. It's certainly, certainly. way different. They don't do that at Arrowhead. They don't do the, like, the constant well, it's a cheering. different sport. Yeah, it's a different yeah, sport. Yeah, the way, the culture of soccer is way, way different than it is for the, like, the NFL. And I'm pretty sure, like, when, when like, uh, soccer fans over in Europe, watch the NFL, it's probably different for them. It's pretty tough for them when they're going and watching and they are seeing this rabid fan base cheering so much when the opposing team is on the field and then when their home team's on the field, they're quiet. It's probably something that's very, very different for them. Um, but then you go to uh, you go you go to over to Europe and they're just cheering the whole game. You know, you watch soccer, they're cheering the whole game and they're just doing all these there's these, there's these coordinated chants. They uh-huh. choreograph these chants. Side to side, the answer, call yeah. and response. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and it's one of the things, like, when I started, because, like, the 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 thing that really got me back into soccer, because I watched it a lot when I was a kid, but the thing that really got me back into it when I was 16 was watching the 06 World Cup. <laughs> and uh, just seeing Ronaldinho out there kill it for Brazil. Oh, love He's him. something else. He's my guy. And, and he, it was just it was fun watching it because the atmosphere was the first thing you notice when you're watching these games and especially at the international level, there's tons of passion there at the international level. People are patriotic. They're into it. They're, I mean, they are, they're, they are as you're, I mean, people are as passionate about their, about their country as anything. And so seeing that atmosphere there and seeing the people with their ugly face paint on and whatnot (laughs) and wearing their crazy outfits and, and you know they've all got their jerseys, they've all got their scarves and whatnot, and and just seeing that atmosphere played out on this international stage, all on on national television, was something that really compelled me because you know you don't really see people go crazy for sports for you know that many sports here in the U.S. like that. Like people don't go crazy like that for baseball unless their team wins the World Series. It's just a different culture, right? We've talked about this so many times in you know in other countries, soccer or football is life for them. So yeah. we've seen people, you know, make mistakes in, in matches and lose matches and then lose their lives or, you know. That's a little dark turn. It, but it's serious. <laughs> that's, that's the extreme. That is true. But that's a dark turn, Jillian. That's what I'm uh, Listen, it's reality. So in other countries, it's just taken much more seriously. So, you know, it's your life. It's your lifestyle from the time you're probably able to walk. You have a ball at your foot. And whether you play or not, you're educated, knowledgeable, and immersed in the game. But something that I have noticed about Sporting Kansas City fans in the past, I would say, I mean, we know that they have a tradition of excellence. They're constantly competitive in the, in, in every cup that they play in. Yeah. But sporting fans are 
they know the game. They know what's happening, you know, what strategy each team is bringing. They understand when to be loud and crazy and ridiculous and when to tone it back, which you don't really ever tone it back, I guess. But they're educated. They understand the game and strategy and how it comes and how they impact the game. So I think that's cool. And I also think that sporting Kansas City as an organization has tried to encourage that, keeping their fans kind of aware. A lot of that just kind of has to do with the fact that soccer doesn't have like a casual audience yet yeah, here in the U.S. I think doesn't it's it... changing from casual to a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit more. See, I, I think it's always, I think like the soccer audience has always been knowledgeable has oh, been hardcore I, I as far as in the like if we're talking like international soccer that's different okay international i think they're yeah. educated i think I people think, here don't, don't know anything about soccer well i'm talking about like people who are actually fans of soccer like regular fans who just who don't who aren't really really big fans of soccer they don't know anything about they soccer. don't know they don't know up from down right and from left not, they yeah, don't know why and there's so not many a, people and there's in the not field. A, and there's not a whole lot of casual soccer fans in the u.s right now anyways just I, because soccer really hasn't quite caught on for them um right now i feel like a majority of the soccer audience is like hardcore. They're the ones that follow it. They're the ones that follow it in Europe. They're the ones that know players. They know statistics. They, you know, when their team gets a new player, oh yeah, I saw that player, you know, play for, you know, what some other team. I think that's where we're at right now. Like if you look at the NFL, the NFL has a really large audience. Most of those fans don't know what the hell they're watching. Right. They just like to see people hit each yeah. other. They, they don't like... know what they're watching. I mean, right. I, people call in here, they, they spew BS, and they don't know what they're talking about. And the reason why they do it is because they don't know what they're watching. They're casual fans. They don't have the time to invest to learn about the game. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think uh, soccer right now is still growing as far as its casual appeal. And that is going to to eventually lead to more and more fans getting into it. But right now, the fans who watch are hardcore. And so that's how they know so much about it. I think that there is a small percentage that actually does. They do know the game. They do follow EPL. But I think the majority of Kansas City fans are on the cusp of the casual to the serious. I think they're more serious than casual. And see, I think that I think I'm, I'm going to favor the casual side because I think that there is a larger group of um, I don't know if it's just mom and dads that have little kids that now they're starting to play and they're like, oh, crap, maybe I should learn this game that my kids are playing. I think I think that there's more of that group, but I think that we're all trending into that more serious side. So we're going to bring in now somebody who certainly knows the game, um, a history of, I think, over eight, eight years in EPL. He's been over in the States. He covers Sporting Kansas City on Sporting Kansas City TV. He also does – he's the radio voice of NYCFC. You'll hear him today on the call. Matt Lawrence joins us. Matt, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you, Jillian. I'm looking forward to this game that we've got in a, in a couple of hours here at Children's Mercy Park. Well, thanks for joining us. I know you're uh, getting ready for the show to kick off and, and everything, but tell me right now, um, what, do, what are we going to expect to see today? What do you expect to see out of Sporting Kansas City and then obviously out of the opponent, Philly Union? Well, well, hopefully what we're going to see is a, a team that's pretty well-rested. Well we know that they've obviously had a trip to Mexico, followed by a trip to L.A., followed by a trip all the way down to Panama. Peter Vermees has changed up the lineup from LAFC down to the side that played in uh, Panama against Independiente. So there's a number of changes there. I think Peter will make a similar amount of changes, seven or eight changes today. Uh, and basically play his first team. I, I think Peter's desperate for a good showing in, in MLS after dropping three points, obviously, to LAFC last week. It's the, the home opener, obviously. 
want to make a good showing in front of the home fans, uh, pick up the three points here, and then really go forward into the Champions League second leg here at Children's Mercy Park on Thursday. I think he's desperate to win both of those games. Get the three points here, so three points out of six in the MLS play, and then obviously get a one nothing or two nothing win uh, against Independiente here at home on Thursday, and then progress obviously into the semi-finals of the Champions League. It's a it's a tough week coming up. Obviously, the two home games that I've mentioned, and then a long trip uh, to Denver to to uh, to play next Sunday. So they've done an awful lot of travelling, sporting, but they've got such a deep squad, Julian, that. I think they can handle that. I know they they lost narrowly against LAFC. I know they lost narrowly down in Panama. But uh, they lost the first game of the season last year against NYCFC here at Children's Mercy Park and went on, obviously, to win Western Conference. So I don't think that LAFC result's too big a deal. And obviously the away goal in Panama was absolutely crucial uh, in midweek in the Champions League. So I think they're in a a good position right now and I I think they'll be looking to get back to that form that they showed in the two legs against Toluca here in Kansas City and obviously down in Toluca in Mexico. Now, Matt, this team finished at the top of the Western Conference last year. Um, Then they they, uh, finished, they just short, losing in the uh, Western Conference uh, finals against the Portland Timbers. How do you think this year this team stacks up this year compared to what they were a year ago? Uh, I think this team is better. It's uh, a year more experienced. Uh, people like Busio and Jalen Lindsay and Daniel Shalwi, who are either in their teens or early 20s, have got that extra year of experience. Uh, people like Johnny Russell uh, have got acclimatized. Felipe Gutierrez, they, they know the league more. They know their home surroundings here in Kansas City more. They've added uh, Borton Burat uh, at centre-half, who's a very good player to come in and replace Ike Parra. Christian Namath is obviously hitting very good form, three goals in three appearances already this season. I honestly think that this is a better squad than last season. I'm not saying that it's going to go one better and, and, and win MLS Cup, but they have the chance. And they also have such a strong squad now that they can fight on all three fronts. Obviously, the Champions League, the U.S. Open Cup, and, and of course, the, the staple MLS uh, regular season as well. I, I really do think Peter has secured a, a very strong squad. They've now got sort of probably, I would say, 18 to 20 players who you'd all be comfortable starting 10 to 20 games of the season. And I think that's more than most teams in MLS have in terms of uh, really quality players. I think most MLS teams go to sort of 14 to 16 players of true quality. Sporting definitely go to at least 18, if not 20 this season. Matt, talking about those new players stepping in, Busio, I'm interested to see or just to hear what you think that central uh, midfield position will bring between Felipe Gutierrez, um, Busio, and Ilya. What do you think that we will see from them today specifically? Uh, I, I think that if Busio starts the game, you you will see somebody who maybe doesn't have as good an engine as Roger, doesn't have that steel, that bite in the middle of midfield. But what Gianluca Busio does have is real quality on the ball. Um, if he plays, uh, it's, I would assume it would be a toss-up between Busio and, and, and Kellen Rowe and, and possibly Johan Quaze. If Busio were to play, I, I just think he's very good in the final third of the pitch. He's very mature in terms of football and knowledge for, for a 16-year-old kid. He has great awareness, um, and he always has that picture in his head of, of when the ball's coming towards him, he knows where it needs to go next. He, he knows where all his teammates are. He already has to say, that picture painted in his head of where, where the next pass needs to go. Uh, time will, 
will, will tell whether whether he does start start today. I would imagine he will be in the squad. But I know that Peter has has a lot of confidence in in the young lad, so it wouldn't surprise me if he started at all. Talking to Matt Lawrence, color commentator for Sporting Kansas City. Um, Christian Namath, three games, three goals. There was a lot of talk about how he was going to do filling in that role as the striker. Do you feel like he is the answer for Sporting Kansas City at that position? Um, it's, it's tough to tell whether he's the answer long term. Certainly he has been in the short term in, in the, at the beginning of the season. Whether he is going to be the person to score 15 or 20 goals that you really want from that uh, top-class number nine, that remains to be seen. He's certainly proven, it seems so far, that he may be that guy. What he does bring to this sporting side and what Peter really likes is the fact that he plays very well with his back to goal. He holds the ball up incredibly well and he's already showing great link-up play with with Gerso and and Johnny Russell this season. He's fitted into the team very easily. Um, I think it helps him having a number of months with the team at the back end of last season, but not really playing a great deal. He's been working his way into the squad, into Peter's style of play as well. I know he's experienced playing under under Peter before, but I, I think this is much more possession-orientated, this, this version of, of sporting, compared to when Namath was here last time. But as I say, it's, it's, it's that pure um, possession-style play, him having a real ability to play with his back to goal. He doesn't look that physical, but he is physical enough to, to hold the ball off, hold the ball up and hold off centre-halves. I think right now, if he continues this form, obviously, and specifically the goal-scoring form, he will be a real revelation for this sporting side in 2019. Matt, looking at the opponent, Philly Union, bringing in a couple of national team players on that roster. I My thoughts are, origi- like, first off, go to Bedoya. Obviously, Blake in the goal. Um, what do you think they're going to bring today? Um, I think they're a side equally as, as desperate as sporting for a win. They, they lost at home last week 3-1 to Toronto. And what they showed last week was that defensively, they're, they're pretty naive. They've got two young boys playing uh, at centre-half. They've got uh, Wagner, a German left-back who's new to the league and and young, being 22 years of age himself. So I think what they're going to show is a relatively porous nature at the back. I I think there will be a lot of opportunities for Sporting to score, but they also are very dangerous on the counter-attack. They're going to play long ball a lot more than Sporting do, and they're going to, I would imagine, Maybe not at the beginning of the game, but certainly uh, as the game progresses, they'll sit back, they'll soak up pressure. And, and with two quick players in uh, Fafa Pico up front and Corey Burke, they will play on the counter. And at times, I think Matt Beasler and, and Borton Barat will find themselves two-on-two against those two, those two centre-forwards of Philly. So it's important that Sestanovic and Graham Zussi at fullbacks they can't both attack at the same time otherwise they will get hit on the counter if one fullback goes the other one needs to tuck round I feel Gillian so that the, so that the sporting don't get hit on that counter but Philly as I say they're, they're, they're a decent side but uh, sporting have to be looking for three points they're, they're a better team undoubtedly they have a better starting 11 and they definitely have a, have a better squad so it should be a good afternoon for sporting I, I'm sure it will be. Matt Lawrence, thank you for the time today. Really quickly, has anybody, is, it's an hour and a half out from kickoff. How is the environment? Are people pouring in yet? Yeah, definitely. The, the doors have opened, the gates have opened here, and fans are, are pouring in. It's still quite cold out there, Julian, Julian but it's, uh, it, it's a 
blue skies here. It, it, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, the floodlights are coming on as well. Not that they're overly needed, but almost just to, to warm up the environment. And I think it's going to be a, a red hot once this game gets started at 2, 2 or 8, 8 p.m. when the game kicks off. Awesome. Well, we are looking forward to it. Thank you for the time and have a great call today. No problem. All right. When, problem, we, when we return, more on the first ever Sporting Kansas City special. Jillian's over here taking Instagram photos when we're on the air. Listen, I was just taking a photo to post to remind people to tune into our show. First ever Sporting Kansas City special. And I know that sounds like a menu item at a restaurant, but it's not. It is a uh, radio show prepping or previewing, excuse me, the Sporting Kansas City home opener match, which is happening in an hour and a half ish. Mm, well, an hour and 20 minutes. And it's, it kickoffs 208. So, yeah. you know, ish. Ish. Anyway, I just heard from Matt Lawrence. A guy is just a wealth of knowledge. Um, yes. We're just talking about how he, being a center back, has probably the best view, aside from maybe Melia back in goal. Yeah, goalie, goalie's <laughs> got the best view because he sees everything that's going on. But, yeah, uh, if, as far as, like, the actual position players out there, uh, yeah, center back, you see everything. Yeah, and you know that uh, you are the last man back, so you need to make sure that you uh, yeah, you're, keep everybody you're, in check you're the in safety, front of you. You're the safety in football. <laughs> Always good to hear from him, especially uh, just a few, maybe 20 minutes before he goes live um, on the call. They do their pregame show, which you can catch if you want to tune in, of course, after our show, right? Well, I guess that's at the Yeah, same time. tune in after. Don't, yeah. don't tune in during. Don't turn in during. Anyway, thanks again to Matt Lawrence. But we are going to move forward and start breaking down a little bit of what we expect to see from Sporting Kansas City today. Uh, we did have Chris go to media day. Um, overall, what in general, we'll hear from him eventually, but as far as what the head guy in charge, Peter Vermees, what is he kind of, what are his vibes? Did you pick up from me? Uh, one thing I, I, I noticed, um, and we'll, we'll certainly hear this later. He's pretty confident in the youth that this team has. He was really confident in you, especially we saw that when they played, uh, Independiente on, um, last Wednesday. He was really confident in playing his young guys. He was confident in giving them time on the field. I mean, obviously, part of the reason why he, you know, he put so many young guys out there, he had so many bench guys out there, is because his team was tired on Sunday. But <laughs> he, he didn't. He didn't say that they were tired. He didn't say that they were tired. <laughs> he said that they weren't tired. But I, I could watch guys on the. I could see with my own eyes they were tired. Right. They were breathing heavy. They were tired. They were making a lot of sloppy fouls because they were tired. But. He was very confident in his young players, and he looked at them, and he were like, hey, you know, these guys can go out there. And they, they played a competitive game. Now, you know, there were some runs that happened that uh, that where they gave up some goals, and they probably shouldn't have because it was – and there were some runs where they didn't give up goals. We're like, man, they probably should have given up a goal there, you know. And, uh, you know, and their forwards just didn't ca- capitalize on that and didn't cash in. But – uh, overall, he's definitely confident in some of the guys on this roster. He's definitely confident that some of these guys can go out there and make something happen. Um, uh, I, I think that at this, the, the the real toughest thing about this is the fact that CONCACAF starts so early in the year. Starts right, at, you know, right before the, season, the regular season starts. And it's difficult because if you look at, like, uh, you know, how they do, like, the, the UEFA um, – the UEFA Champions League. Mm-hmm. 
They do it to where there's a group stage, and it takes place over months. They're knocking these games out in CONCACAF right now. I mean, they're taking them out right now before the season starts. And so it's way different because um, in UEFA, the team gets some months to kind of get into form and get there, you know, get back into into where they were in the previous season. And they don't get that here. They got to be good from the very get-go. And so that's the reason why he was playing his guys uh, early on, a lot of minutes. And you could definitely see it took its toll. But, you know, at the same time, he kind of has to because – I mean, in theory, CONCACAF Champions League is more important than winning the the MLS Cup because we already know Continental Championship much more important than your domestic league. So that was one of the things I kind of got from Peter is just he's he's definitely had to do some doing a juggling act as far as getting his guys ready and prioritizing CONCACAF, but at the same time making sure that his team is in its best form when they eventually move over and get into the MLS Cup play. So. That's the reason why it certainly is. Uh, it's it's definitely been a task for him. So we learned that Peter Vermees is confident, which we he always is, right? However, I think a, a good takeaway, we always know he's going to be competitive in every possible opportunity. So every cup. So whether it be MLS Cup or Open Cup, and a lot of teams don't take, a lot of MLS teams don't take Open Cup very seriously. He does. Yeah, um, yeah. And then these CCL games, you know, he's going to look at this as an opportunity to compete, which... He does for everything. I think a huge takeaway from this is that we got to see Busio in this game. We got to expose him to that environment, um, that just level of just competition, really. Like, you're away from home. You know, you're playing in this high-level game. I think things like that are going to greatly just impact this sporting Kansas City team in all competitions. So whether it be MLS Cup, CCL, or even Open Cup. Yeah, he was pretty high on Busio too. He was asked about that during the press conference. And uh, you know, he was pretty high on Busio. I think he's high on a lot of the young guys on this yeah. team. And uh, I think, you know, if you if you look at him, he's very much understanding that uh, they've got to build up young players. Mm-hmm. This is how teams are doing it over in Europe. Um, and, you know, obviously they can go out and buy superstars. But <laughs> a lot of these teams now are deciding, hey, you know, let's also see if we can try to have our own homegrown guys. And obviously we have that with Shallowy, but you got to do more than just one player on your team right. every few years. You know, it's got to be a steady stream of young players. And so he's realized the importance of that, and he's really pushing that. And I, I really appreciate the fact that he's, you know, going. I mean, they just signed a 16-year-old kid. Right, Swole right, Park right. just signed a Tyler 16-year-old Freeman. kid. Uh, I thought that was last season. Thompson. Thompson. He's a goalkeeper. Like Blake Thompson, I think is his name or something like that. But he's goalkeeper, and they and uh, he just got signed uh, by uh, to um to Swope. to Swope Park, mm-hmm. and like that was something that was you know really good. Sixteen year old kid, and starting him is, young. Yeah, and this is a kid that is going to be in your system. You can develop him. Oh yeah. I think he's like six two six three already. He's already taller than me, <laughs> so I'm a little intimidated by that. And. <laughs> Like that's something that is is really really good to see because goalkeeper is really important, and so when you can get a guy like that in your system and you can develop him from the very get go, we talked about this months ago about how the draft is starting to become less and less important. Right. This is proof of that. Yep. You know, this is is prime proof that it's starting to become less important because you're starting to see teams focus more on their uh, youth movement and you know having more homegrown players than before because. You know, before it was about let's go draft that kid, that kid from Colorado. 
Now it's like, let's see if we can catch him when he's still in high school and we can sign him to our team and have him play here. And create those habits early and then mm-hmm. get him the exposure. Exactly. All right, game time is approaching. Uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll pull in some of the guys. We'll hear from Zussi. We'll hear from Namath coming up. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back into the Sporting Kansas City special on 610 AM Sports Radio. You're listening to the Jillian Carroll Unocero crew, uh, head of Sporting Kansas City, hosting Philadelphia Union. Uh, our dude, Chris Unocero, not Chris Powell. Thank you. We keep saying it though. <laughs> See, this is what she did. This is what she did on Thursday too, when she was making fun of uh, making fun of you, Julio. I don't throw because, shade. I was yeah, not were. doing because that. Because Kansas didn't win the Big Twelve. This all exactly I said what was happened. UNI. UNI. That's all I said. And then, you know, she kept chanting it. <laughs> she was talking about uh, Ali Farouk Manesh. And then didn't know her own fight song. She I didn't did. know her own fight song. I did, too. So I there. couldn't hear it. It was a bad connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she just blamed the connection. <laughs> yeah, that's convenient. Anyway, uh, Chris Unocero was out at Media Day at uh, Children's Mercy Park, who they put on, Sporting Kansas City put on a beautiful Media Day. It was great. Treated Uno Cero like a king. Okay. I got I got the 2019 edition of the Kansas, of the Sporting Kansas City scarf, which he's wearing right now. He probably hasn't taken it. it off since Friday. Let's be honest. No, I took it off. No, I highly I doubt it. it. I had a nice, a nice member night. of the team would have gotten some for us. I too. mean, you would think I, so. Uh, you would think so. But no, he did not. He did I not will, think of us. Uh, I will fully selfish. admit it. I'm selfish. Oh, yeah. okay, so great. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm about this for me, and I, when I got the scarf, that. I was not thinking about you guys. Well, y'all make some calls. Don't worry. I was. Please. Yeah, you can make some. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? What do you worry about it? You know them personally. Come you on. Can, you can get the hook. You got us the hook up last year. Come on. But, uh, also, those nachos was, looked amazing. They were. Man, oh, they too. were amazing. <laughs> you should. You should have seen how over. You should have seen how excited the the chef was to show. <laughs> me and Kling were there. And we're, you know, we got, we had just got done doing the, uh, doing the Jake Reed and, da- and David Ficklin, um, press conference. And we step out and the head chef's there. He's dressed like a chef, you know, the white With the hat. coat. He didn't have the hat. He didn't have the ah, hat. He, that's uh, disappointing. No, it was, it was fine. Cause I can understand, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to take a break away from the kitchen to explain how these, he, he had okay, these, he was coming out to the people. Yeah, he was coming he was, out to he talk was trying about to, it. Okay. Yeah, he didn't need the poofy chef's hat. It's all the more reason to wear that. But if he was <laughs> if he was cooking, he would have need the poofy yes, chef's sir. hat. Yes, sir. Yes, please. But put he that doesn't. On while you're but he doesn't need it. He doesn't please. need it when he's when he's out. He was bald anyway, so you know. Okay, well, that's but that. He, but he was he had that was it. unnecessary. He, no, because like I thought she was worried about like hair getting in. Or whatever. It was. <laughs> yeah, I know. You don't have to worry about that. He's bald, so he was cool. But he. He was excited. He had these this this. I don't know if it's new or not, but he had this concoction of these nachos with beef brisket and baked beans on it. Oh goodness! And I, I mean, I'm not one for exotic tastes. Uh, I'm a very picky and simple eater. So yes, I you was are. like, yeah, and <laughs> Julio, Julio knows this very well. <laughs> and so I was like, mm, okay, well. Uh, but he he was excited about it, and he talked. Yeah, to he into was it. very enthusiastic. And so I was standing near you know, me and me and Kling are standing near this uh, near this. Um, near where they the line start where the line was going to start and so like i'm like eh, i guess i'm gonna leave the line or whatever <laughs> and so i get in line first and he like there you know there's this row of of foods and whatnot there and then he just kind of gives me this tutelage he tutors me on how to fix this these nachos and we I get the chips right. and then we put the cheese on i put more cheese than he was initially thinking i was going to because i'm a big cheese guy and then we get to the beef brisket, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I might have to put this on the side because I don't know if I want this on my nachos. And 
you know, just his enthusiasm. Quite the entertaining nacho story. Yeah. His Apparently, dude, so media day was way me. more than just interviews. And yeah, it was mostly nachos insight. for me. It was nachos and talking to the chef. Now he has a recipe. He can emulate that, and he can create it at home. I'm not going to create it at home. But he, it, the, the beef brisket sounded like it was very... Uh, that's a little much for me. He, gave, he even gave nah. us tips on how to fix uh, corned beef hash. You, oh. um, you marinate it in... Uh, yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> but you marinate it in 7-Up. You uh, slow cook it yep. and seven up, make it very uh The things very you tender. learn at SKC Media Day. He was passing a lot of knowledge here. I'm going to need you to start a blog on that, I think. I'm not going to do that. Write a book? Uh, no. Tell the people? No. <laughs> Come on. I, uh, I, I was very, I, I, I'll tell you, sporting made me feel special there. V-I-P. They hooked me up with this 2019 edition of, of, the, of the scarf. You need to get it. At the uh, at the team store, it is a very nice scarf. He's not going to take this off all season. You need to wash that thing already. I I only this is the first time I've worn it. I lies, didn't wear it when lies. I was there. It's, it's been on since Friday. Yeah. No, it had, I, I had a, that thing. See, I, just no, own it. Just I had go a, with it. I had a bartend yesterday. Oh, he wore it to bartend. I did he was not wear it. To, you, there are there are witnesses. They did not see me wearing this scarf. We'll check those sources later. You can check your sources. I got yeah. sources. I got people that'll vouch for me. I was not wearing this last night. I wanted to, but I did. I was like, no, I got a, I got a job to do. He I'm had a professional. it under. He was under the shirt. Issues. No, was I was, I was shirt. very professional last night, <laughs> so I did That's not false. wear this. That's not, that is true. I was very <laughs> professional last night. All right. Well, you learned a lot at Media Day. You learned about the nachos. You learned about um, how to marinate corned beef hash and Seven Up. But most importantly, you <laughs> learned quite a bit about sport in Kansas City. You got a chance to catch up with Zusi. Uh, and he kind of just shared his insight with what was going on with the team and the defensive line as well. At the end of the uh, the 2018 season, you lose in the second leg of the Western Conference Finals. Um, what was that off? What was this past off season like for you guys as a team? Um, I mean, really, not much different than I did last season. If you're not the last team standing at the end of the year, you're, you're going to be disappointed. There's no question about it. Uh, off season is about kind of stepping away from the game for a little bit, um, getting the mind kind of cleared and, and ready for the next year, and, and then and there's a preparation phase. So um, it was a short one month off season, and um, really that's all that's all you need. Uh, I think after a month you, you start itching to get back into things. And, um, and lucky for us, we, we were able to start a little bit early because of Champions League and, and get together and really put ourselves in, in the best best position possible to, to be successful this year. It's always nice to kind of get back to soccer as quick as possible after having gone so far in the season. Yeah, uh, you know it's, it's funny because you kind of you kind of force yourself to to, to step away. It's, you know, if you're not the last one standing, you, you kind of yearning for more. Um, but you have to force yourself to, to kind of step away and, and um, get the refresh that you need to, for, for a new long season. No, it was kind of quick. You turning the season around, and now you're getting into the Champions League, sure. and you're playing a lot of games in quick succession. How was that? How was the team handling that mentally? Being you know going from you know L.A. to Panama, now back to Kansas City in such a such a short time. You know, I think we're, we we kind of take it one game at a time. That's, that's all you can do. Um, and uh, you know, the, the, the club and, and the staff are, are putting us in the best position to be successful every single game. Um, 
you know, like I kind of uh, pointed out earlier, we, we were able to step, start preseason um, at least a week early this year. And at this point of, of a season, we're the, definitely the fittest that we've ever been. Um, I think uh, tiredness is really not an issue. Yeah, it's really as simple as that. Now, is there a lot of pressure now going into the season, knowing that, hey, we went really far last year. Now we kind of feel like we need to go out there and get and win it all. I mean, we, as a club, we, we set expectations and goals at, at the beginning of every single year. And, and with this club, we set them very high. So uh, every single competition that we're a part of, um, every single game that we play, uh, we have the goal to, to win. To win trophies. At the end of the day, that's what this business is all about, Successful, success driven. So um, no added pressure this year than, than really any other year. It's just what we, uh, what we expect at this club. Graham Zussi telling us he had to force himself to step away, get some yeah. rest, prepare for the season. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about more of that and uh, his question about is there any pressure that you gave him. Chris. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back for more. All right, we hear from, just heard from Graham Zussi. Uh, Zeus has been around for a long time, very successful, kind of a quiet leader, if you will, does his thing. He's very, an Alex Gordon-like he's an, person, very Alex Gordon-like. Consistent. Good comp. Um, I think Thank he had you. a heck of a 2018 season. I'm sure he'll have a heck of a 2019, but I loved the fact that he said, you know, if you're not the last team standing at the end, it's got to change. You're going to be disappointed. You've got to change. You've got to address the issues and come back ready to be that last team standing. So it was cool to hear. Um, I mean, you hate that people are disappointed, but I appreciate that he was just very honest and said, hey, you know, we thought that we should have gone farther and now we have to use the offseason to fix what we need to. Um, and you asked him a good question is, do you feel like it's hard to step away from the game? Do you have to like force yourself to give yourself some mental break, uh, a mental break and a physical break? And he said, yeah, um, because you're yearning for the game. Like you want to get back to it. But always good to hear from him and his thoughts. Yeah. And uh, his beard game <laughs> is amazing. It is, it is. His beard is amazing. You see it up close and personal. You're hey, crazy. I need to I need to up my game. My beard has what? been my beard game has been improving over the years. But it is not at his level. I feel like you were obviously focusing on the wrong things while you were out there. <laughs> no, his the beard. Food, I was, I was, we were talking. And, we were talking. I'm just like, this dude's men's beard. Beards. Like, this dude's what is beard going is, on here? This dude's sir? beard is killing my beard. Like, my beard isn't bad. It's, Did you ask him for pointers or no, you just kind of? No, there was too many people around. There was too many. Because it, it was like a line of people I trying mean, to is, talk to is Zeus. Is there a technique behind growing the beard? Yeah, or you got to. It, Julio's, Julio, Julio's beard. I was going to say Julio's there... beer game. Julio's blaming genetics because his beer game isn't very good. Mm. Um, but as a person who is a little bit more seasoned on the beer game, uh, a little you? more seasoned, a little bit more seasoned on the beer Shots game. Shots fired. <laughs> I, I, you have to in order to get it this way. You have to grow it out. Then you got to got to shave it down so that it can grow back stronger and. Mm. You have to use. I use products on mine to here? keep it nice and know. soft. We're, we're talking nachos. We're talking corned beef hash. Now we're talking beards. You're talking beards. His, I don't know. I'm, Zeusy's beard, man. man if we okay. if we're putting together like a a Mount Rushmore of sports beards, he's on it. His, I feel like people. Have he doesn't done that have the, the super long one, but his beard is nice. 
All right. Well, noted. We'll look for that today. Uh, we also, You also had a chance to hear from Christian Namath on the opposite side of the ball, the offensive side, and how he feels a little bit of pressure, but he's pretty confident about being uh, the leader on the offense for Sporting Kansas City. What's your confidence level this year, thinking that you could fill that role and be the goal scorer this team needs? I don't think I have to take it like a pressure. Mm-hmm. I take it like more like uh, to enjoy that situation. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, we have many more players who, who have that responsibility to score goals. Um, so I'm ready uh, to play that position. Uh, I played for that very hard for this preseason. I think we did a great preseason like a team and things we do as well. So, so I'm happy for that. How are you fitting into the team after having been away for a few years? You come back last year and now now you're getting a, getting a big opportunity here. How are you really fitting into the squad now that you're back? Uh, the team's a little bit changed. Uh, the players, the, the side, that, that time we play more direct football and I play a little bit more on the side and this year I'm going to play more like number nine position of course but this team is more like play positioning and then building from there so it's a little bit the style different, that's why it takes time for me last season to adapt that but uh, what I said before, um, the, the preseason was great to to just to feel the, everything, the players, how I run and how I move, so everything was fine. You know, early on, you've had really good success playing in that role, scoring goals. Uh, do you feel like you're, you've like really kind of moved into that role and done well really quickly, like faster than you expected to? Uh, to be honest, uh, I was how I started the preseason mentally was like just work hard and then uh, adapt the style. And, uh, and I was lucky I don't have an injury at that time and, and uh, everything was fine. So that's why maybe uh, I, that couple of first games was, was successful. Last couple games you've had been a little rough, long trip. You know, you go to L.A. and you go down to Panama and now you're back here. How, how's the team feeling right now after having made such a long road trip? Uh, everything was mental. So we prepare for that. We just talk a lot about that, how it's going to be. Uh, and uh, I think we have 25 good players, so the rotation goes on. So now I think uh, good to be back in Kansas. The home opener is coming, so everybody excited about it. Yeah, you guys really juiced for that and feeling ment- you know, like back mentally refreshed now you're finally back in Kansas City. Yeah, that, that's happened, I think. Yeah. So... Big game on Sunday, Philadelphia Union, <coughs> Children's Mercy Park. What can the fans expect from you guys on Sunday? <coughs> like, like always, we we try to win games. We got to, we we try to show our uh, style of football, and uh, yeah, that's that's the most important to, to, to go out and, and uh, be positive and win the games. That's what we're here for, mm-hmm. and to make the fans happy. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Christian. All right. Good luck on the season. Thank you. All right, Christian Namath. Good to have him back. Obviously spent some time with Sporting Kansas City and then moved away and then came back. It's interesting that we have Zussi and Namath being that when Namath came back to Children's Mercy Park, not in Sporting Blue, but in D.C. United uniform, he and Zussi had an incident which after VAR resulted in uh, Namath being ejected from the game. Yeah, yeah uh, Namath punched Zussi. 
And, just uh, uh, I, I thought, thought you were going to ask about I didn't want to. We st- thought see, he was going right? to. Also. See what had happened what was he was happened. too concerned with the nachos wanna, and the I didn't want to. Well, the nachos came after. <laughs> I wanted beer. to. I, I didn't want to stir <laughs> the pot at the very beginning of media day. Because I'm pretty sure they would not have liked me that's to what go you're there. Best at, I mean, I know. Come on. That's your, that's not, that's your thing. Here's the one thing. and only strength. Here's here's the yeah. You're right. Like, here's the thing. If if they'd have come here, if one of them would have came on here, I would ask that question because this is our it. domain. I was in their oh, domain. I hear you. Okay. I was in their domain, and not they right had platform, the they right. had the home field advantage, and so I was intimidated by being on the road, and so I could not uh, execute the way I wanted to. And if they had been here, if we'd have got Namath on here, I'd have asked him, why'd you punch Zussi? And uh, did you guys fight in the locker room when you got there? I would have asked him that here. But, yeah, it was. It just wasn't the right – it didn't feel like the right time to ask him. That. We're just thinking happy thoughts. We're thinking this is one team. We're united. Yeah. It's home opener. It, it, it was, the ambiance was nice there. They I had, don't want like, to hear that nonsense. They had, like, I, I they had the lights very low. We were at these nice tables. Was there background music? Chairs. Yeah, there was, like, yeah. some nice background. Elevator music. Yeah, it wasn't even quite – it was just, like, some nice yeah. chill music. So you're not going to be like, why'd you hit him? Yeah, I'm not going to, like – Upset the ambiance, like so. Why'd you come on, man? You got to be that harsh. Did you guys have Fight Club in the locker room when you came back? I didn't want to. It didn't feel like the right venue to do it. But they clearly they understood what the situation was, and they clearly made sure that no one was going to ask about that. They played you. They didn't play me. They didn't. Yeah, they 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 did the mental tricks as far as this. Here, have some more nachos, King. The nachos happened after. It wasn't nachos. Nachos are not to blame. Here, have a scarf for me. The the scarf came after. The the scarf came with the nachos. All right. Well, anyway, we heard some good things from Namath. He sounds pretty confident about being back. Chris, you asked a good question because he did spend time here, then away, and you asked how he was kind of getting acquainted again. No hitting, but um, falling in line. Yeah, he he really he seems like you know definitely he said it was definitely a slow start last year. Um, he said for sure it took some time for him to get acclimated back to playing in Vermees' system and with the personnel that they had there because it was completely different from when he played here last. Right. So right. it was definitely something that it, it took some time for him to really get back into it. Uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely you can definitely tell he's acquainted himself with his teammates in the system. And he seems pretty comfortable out there. Now, we'll, whether that will translate into goals long-term, as Matt Lawrence alluded to earlier when we had him on, uh, yeah, it's – don't know if it's going to be a long-term solution. But at least right now, thus far, three games, three goals. Right. That's certainly something to say, hey, you know, <laughs> thus far, pretty good. Yeah. And I do see – I do – Imagine there's a lot of pressure on him today being back, you know, being in front of the home fans. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, that's – right now, everybody is going to be looking at a name if – For a, to at put, least a goal. Yeah. I would say one or two. If they score – if they get goals from elsewhere, I think they'll give him a pass. But if this team is sitting at 70 minutes in and they don't have a goal across right. the board, everybody's going to be looking Christian's way. Right, and he's going to know it too. All right, when we come back, we have starting lineups for you for home opener sport in Kansas City against Philly Union. The first rule of Fight Club is – you do not talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. All right. Welcome back into the Sporting Kansas City special first ever episode edition. I don't know. Edition? Edition. Edition. Um, it's the Jillian Carroll Unocero gang here, and we have some starting lineup info for you. For Sporting Kansas City, now we're Chris and I are just talking over the break. Um, this is 
I, I, am, I don't have any surprises here. I don't know if you do, Chris. Uh, this is who I expected and who I was hoping I, to see. With, the, with one exception, I am a Shallowy fan. So yeah. I would have liked to have seen that start. However, well, uh, read the, read the okay, line. Yeah, okay, yes, sorry. So in the back, Amelia, obviously. Moving left to right in the back line, we have Sinovic, Beasler, Barath. In for Fontes, who's still batting, battling a hip injury. And then we got Zussi on the right in the center. Ilya anchors the center midfielders. He's got Gutierrez on the left and Busio on the right for Roger Espinosa, who is out on uh, red card suspension. And up top, moving from left to right, we have Gerso, Namath, and Johnny Rockets Russell. Pretty exciting about the pretty excited about the front line. I would like to see Shallowy. However, I would like to see 100% healthy Shallowy. And I do think he's still battling that little knock on his calf that he got in preseason. Yeah. Um, the boot, I I, I kind of thought maybe Quasi would get that spot. Uh, it's an Busio. option. No, he's an option for sure. Uh, and I, I mean, I'll tell you this. Uh, it depends on how Busio plays. Maybe Quasi does come in for him and at some point that, during the game. That's a good point. So that's, and, you know, especially because I think um, – Peter is going to look at this, and he's going to be like, yeah, this is a test for you. He's definitely looking at Boosie. I was like, this is your test. Oh, yeah. But you got to do something with it. And I expect to see a lot out of him, as Matt kind of alluded to mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. Um, and the kid is PV mature. talked about it, too, during I, his press conference. He's high on him. Yeah. I mean, and, and he ha- they both have reason to trust in him, be confident in him. The kid's 16, which blows my mind, but he is very intelligent, very aware on the ball. Um he is creative, but he is disciplined, which is a good kind of combination to have, I believe, especially where he's playing there. And then I'm going to go ahead and trust Ilya behind him to keep him in line, keep him in check. Um, but I am really excited to see Busio and Johnny Russell together there, obviously, or Gerso. I mean, name it the whole front line. I think that he will be very creative, and I think that he will um, – I don't know, just kind of be a burst of energy in there. Not that Espinoza wasn't, don't get me wrong, but I just think Busio brings a kind of a fresh I don't, mindset. I don't look at Espinoza as a burst of energy at 32 years old. But he it's still covers of, so much ground. Yeah, it's you more can't of, take anything away from that it's guy. It's more of like he's like he's like the, the hardened veteran. And yeah, he's, he's been like there the bulldog. He's that he will. Know, yeah, he's, he keeps fighting. Uh, he's not what he was physically a few years ago, but he's certainly a guy that he can go out there and he can get the job done. Um, Babusio could very well be that burst of energy. I believe he will be. Um, and wh- this is one of the things I think that they, they're kind of going to have to do over the next few years is start to try to trickle in some youth. Because um, you look at a lot of these guys and, you know, age is starting to get up there with some of these guys. Beasler starting to get up there. Sinovic starting to get up there. Um, you know, even guys like, like Fontes, he's not a young guy. He's 29. Um, Johnny Russell's like 28 now, so he's not a young guy either. Um, there's certainly going to have to start trickling in some youth there. Obviously, you do have Shallowy, who's right. been with the team for a while, but he's, you know, 23. Yeah. Um, so you've got some youth there. I'd say this, though. For them to play a kid at 16 years old, <laughs> this is a huge moment, too, by the way. I mean, at 16 years old. What I, were you I, doing? I was, like, just excited about my driver's license, uh, I think. <laughs> at 16 years old, I was playing at – my high school level playing i was i was they were trying to make me the center mid they were trying to i did not like the running definitely difficult feet they were trying to make me the center mid i was like (laughs) "Mm, i don't know about all this running so the fact that that you've got a kid playing at this level right not a high school level not a college level he's playing at uh the highest level you can play at in america uh in soccer is huge Mm -hmm. it is major and it says a whole lot about his talent and I, I and I, I think 
this is a good thing for just for uh, uh, American soccer as a whole in that you're starting to see more and more young players get opportunities when they are really young. Not when they're 20, but when they're in their teens mm -hmm. because that's how the game is everywhere else in the world. So this is a big, this is a really big step, especially in a game as important as this one, not from a, like a standing standpoint, but just from like a message, emotional yeah, standpoint. Yeah, making a statement. S making a statement to the fans that, hey, we want to put the best product out there for you in our, in our uh, opening game of the year. This is huge. And if this pays off for Vermees, he's going to look like a genius. I mean, I think it's going, first of all, he's proven himself in the past he's played for the pat he's had first team minutes in 2017 yeah, and 2018 yeah, yeah so but like you're mentioning starting the home opener now i you know if espinoza is not out on suspension does he start this game probably not nah, he doesn't probably not but the fact that he is trusted and um you know encouraged to do so people are confident about this i think people are excited about this um, but he, you know, he's been in the system for a while. His family committed to this, that he has been in Kansas City in obviously the homegrown program for a few years now. So um, he's taken it seriously. He's done all the things he needs to do. And now I think it's starting to pay off. And so I think that he will inject a ton of energy, a ton of fresh, creative play up top. Um, I think it's going to be great. And then I also just, again, Ilya behind him. Guitarra's next to him. Like, that center core is going to be fantastic. Yeah, and then you got Zussi coming up on the exactly. on, his, uh, on his wing there, which is going to be really important. Zussi's, you know, oh, he's yeah. the leader of the team. He's the Alex Gordon of the team. <laughs> and, you know, he's a guy that certainly is going to be very vocal. He's going to be pushing him. Um, so I I like that, you know, him being on that side because you've got a guy like Zussi right behind him mm -hmm. that's going to communicate with him. It's going to be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Oh, right, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, things like that. You've got experience there around him so that those guys are really going to help him out. So. Also, Zussi makes those runs. Mm -hmm. Sinovic as well on the other side. He has had a heck of a year already, I think. I don't like him taking those long shots. I know you don't, but I, and, I love I talked to me and, me and Julio like that too. Like, I don't want him taking them long shots. I'm a big uh, fan of how much Sinovic looks to be an offensive part of the team. I really think that so far he's done well um, on that. But getting back to Zussi. So, Zussi, Busia, Russell on that right side. I mean, that's yeah. lethal. That yeah, is that's a that's a really good triangle of players around a young kid to yeah. help communicate with him and help him improve as the game is going along and make adjustments. I put that lineup against anyone in the MLS. Yeah, I mean mm. this is that's, strong. It's pretty solid. This is strong. Um yeah, it's going to be tough to have Barath back there. I think he's just new. He's going to find I'm his I'm not groove. a fan of him. What did he, he play uh, to get one game? He didn't look good against Independiente. He just, oh, did anybody? Just, did anybody? It's true. <laughs> I mean, Amelia he looked bad. especially bad. Not <laughs> he looked especially bad. Now, maybe it was just travel. You go from L.A. to Panama, and it's just, you know, it's completely different. He he just, he just he didn't look the part to me. And maybe he'll do it this game. And, you know, there's probably mitigating conditions that could have affected his play. But uh, I wasn't a fan on Wednesday. Well, It's going to take him a little bit to, to I think get so. his legs under him and get system and just to fit, to fit in. Yeah. I mean, and I expect him to come in right off and just – make that much of a difference be an impact immediately yeah. which i mean you but that's, that's that a position where the where the there's not room for error like it's different if we're talking about like you know like Kyrie Shelton he came in last year and it took him some time she rolls he's still, as, he's still as, trying as she rolls to impact the game. he's still trying listen, <laughs> yeah but listen. like it took some it, it was you know it was like we knew it was going to take some time for him to come in and and really you know find his impact 
find his role within the system yeah. there. But as a center back, like, you know what you have to do. It's it's pretty straightforward, and he wasn't doing that. Well, I think Fontes came in and did that. I think that he came to the team last season, was popped into a game, and I think he did very well. Um, he reminds me of Ilya, a guy who came to the team and was an immediate impact, and I think once Fontes gets healthy again, um, he'll get back in there. But as far as today goes, any concerns you might have, I mentioned mine might be Barath there. Um, I would like to see Shallowy, but Gerso's had a strong showing. Um, Julio, you just said you'd put this against anyone in MLS. What do you think, Chris? I think this is an overall strong lineup today. I'd say it's a pretty good lineup. Um, like I said, we'll definitely see about Busio. I'm. I, I don't You're know. You're skeptical. I'm. I'm not. I, I'm like, especially with young players. You don't. You know. He doesn't you never play know. young though. With this guy, but he doesn't yeah, play but young. That, that doesn't mean he's not young though. This is true. And and he's this surrounded is a, by a bunch of experience. And this, yeah, he's surrounded by a bunch of experience. But you know, that don't mean anything. If he makes a couple bad plays or somebody makes a good run past him, and he's got and yo, that's a that's an environment. That's a crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a huge crowd. This is a big environment. It's gonna be very electric at CMP. I mean. He's young. He's 16 years old. I don't know if I could have handled that He spotlight. is, but he's also been in the system for a long and time. He, and he's he been has. in this environment yeah, before. He's exactly. played at Children's Park. He Party has, before. but it, you know, there's a different feel on this kind of day with, with this kind of pressure out there. He's played, but this is his first start, right? On a, and, first, first home opener start. Yeah, like yeah for just, sure. This is a lot of pressure on him, and so I'm... I'm going to wait and see about about that. I'd say, you know, what I'm not a fan of is Gerso. And I understand the situation with Gerso. I think he's done Shallow. well this year. I, I think so. I, I think wasn't. last year I was a little disappointed, but I definitely have seen, what are we, four matches in? Uh, I, I wasn't a fan of him last Sunday. Last Sunday, nobody played well, in my opinion. Yeah, he... Nobody played their best yeah. version of themselves. I, and I wasn't a fan of him against Toluca either. I think he's a, I think he's a much better... He plays a much better role coming off the bench. Yeah, he's a better energy guy. I, I better energy guy yeah. off the bench. Starting Short, wise, less minutes. Yeah, yeah like you His put engine him in, is not quite you there. put him in at like 60 minutes in for for him or, or Rockets, for uh, Shallowy or Rockets, whichever one kind of seems like they're tiring first. And he provides you, like, I, I thought he did a great job against Portland at, at CMP in the Western Conference final second leg. Came in there, got that goal, could have had another one. He would, he he was the energy guy. He was carrying that team yeah. in that second half. That's the most effective role for him. Yeah, it, to me, that's the best role. Because you remember two years ago, he was starting on the uh, on the on the right wing. Yeah, and it just seemed like he'd he'd get there, he'd take the ball, get into the eighteen, and he didn't know what to do with it. And you know, it it just like I watch him play, and it's like I don't know. But you got to remember that also in this system, Peter Vermees is asking him to play outside of his comfort zone. He was not a winger. No, so that's very different for him. And yeah. I think. As a whole, I think he does his best. I think we're all in agreement here when he comes off the bench and can just go 100 miles an hour for as long as he can. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Because he, he tires out quickly. He We've does. seen that. We, yeah. we started games. You remember the you, me and Julio were at the it was the U.S. Open Cup final against New York Red Bulls. And like 60 minutes in, he was looking over at PV trying to Gassed. get subbed. He was gassed. gassed. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. He, anybody touched him, he'd fall over like he got shanked and he just fell. And he was, he was done. Yeah. So I think... He's at his best when he can just come off his bench, come off the bench and just play at 100 miles an hour. I don't really like him starting. So we'll see how it happens. I I, I, I would think he probably gets subbed at some point. But, yeah, um, just, yeah, I've, I've kind of been, I've been a skeptic of his since last year. Overall, though, I think we're general consensus. We feel confident in the lineup. 
Um, yeah, it's a good lineup. And the fact that it is home opener, Sporting is known for bringing it, um, the fans and the team on the pitch. So uh, when we come back, we'll look at Philly Union, a uh, little bit of their lineup led by Mexican DP uh, Marco Fabian, only goal scorer for the Union on the year. Uh, we'll break that down when we come back. Welcome back in. It's uh, Jillian Carroll, Unocero gang here, bringing to you the first ever Sporting Kansas City special. We got a two-hour show breaking down Sporting Kansas City, the 2019 season, uh, bringing some, obviously starting with some CCL, and uh, MLS is now back. They have home opener match today, starting in about 37 minutes. They welcome the Philly Union. Look at the math on that. Very specific. I used to be a math teacher. I used to be a third grade teacher. Uh, I uh, I stopped I stopped learning math after my freshman year of high school. <laughs> Sounds about right. Anyway, first of all, a quick thank you to from the eight one six. Good luck with your show so far. You guys are doing great. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank keep, you. keep it up. Tell your friends. Uh, we told you we would bring you the starting lineup for. Uh, we talked through Sporting Kansas City, but for the Philly Union. So Andre Blake in goal is going to be a challenge for Sporting Kansas City. He is just a big body, and he does well. He covers a lot of ground. Um, he's going to be a challenge. Across the back line, we have Wagner, Trusty, Elliott, Gaddis, Madunian and the center midfield. These guys are killing me here. Bedoya's on the right. <laughs> we had to look it up on YouTube how to pronounce Madunian. Madunian, I thought. Well done, though. Yeah. It was, we got it. It was YouTube. It wasn't really us. It the was rest YouTube. Of the, we should have asked Matt. The rest of these are going to get me to, uh, I know. I would have loved to hear him pronounce Madunian's name. He might have said it. We might not have caught it. But I'm Marco sure. Fabian um, is, you know, they're attacking mid. Yeah, he's more like a false nine-ish. Ish. He's the only one to score for them on the year. Yeah. Obviously, it's still early in the year. Uh, Bedoya on his right. And this guy's, I'm going to botch this, but Cervalli on the left. Is it Cerv- I thought it was Crayaval. Okay, boy, could go with either it looks like one of Cray those. Of all. It looks like, a, looks like Cray of all. And then up top, Pickhalt and Burke. And if you remember hearing from Matt Lawrence this earlier in the show today, he said the two guys up top are pretty speedy. They're going to look for counter opportunities, and they're going to try to take those. But their weakness is in the back line. So, obviously, Sporting Kansas City will combat that with Gerso, Namath, Russell, Shallowy. The list goes on. Um, but as I mentioned, I think, well, through the middle – Bedoya is, is an experienced player. You know, obviously, U.S. national team um, brings a lot of expertise um, and, and pace on the ball. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge, honestly, that union, the union brings is probably going to be getting past Andre Blake. I think, I think for, um, for this team, sporting can really put a lot of pressure on them because you look at their formation and... It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. It's like they cut the team in half. They've got five field, guys... Yeah. On on the offensive side, and then they got five guys back playing defense, and um, that tells me that when you have a center defensive mid committed so far back to where he is essentially almost a center back and, and a third center back there, that tells me that you're not very confident at your, your back, back line yeah. is going to be able to 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 keep teams from not only possessing the ball in your half of the field, but also being able to then uh, take advantage of that and see if you can run the counterattack. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, we know that Sporting's weakness over the years has been defending the counterattack. Right. It's been one of the things that's really killed them. Uh, but 
considering how many how many uh, players they have committed to their back line, it's going to take away from their ability to counterattack. Well, there's going to be this huge gap. Yeah, in there's between. a huge gap in between, and 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 that to me is like the thing that concerns me about. It, it would concern me if I were a, a Philly fan. Is how are you going to be able to generate offense when you have so many men committed? to your back line, committed to your defensive side. And it wouldn't surprise me if they also tried to pack it in uh, whenever especially they – Especially at Children's Mercy oh, Park. Oh, yeah, especially in front of that front of that environment, knowing that uh, sporting is juiced, sporting is going to go out and try and uh, push the ball down the field, try to score, mm-hmm. um, was one of the things Vermes talked about, was trying to provide an entertaining style of soccer for fans to watch. I love that he cares about that. Yeah. I, mean, I love well, it. All these guys do. I mean, all, all these leagues now understand just how important it is to provide a product that people actually want to watch, right. especially because you got baseball. That I mean, Major League Baseball is so afraid of, of, of people losing interest in their sport that they're doing whatever they can to try to make sure that the games the games are still entertaining for fans. And so absolutely stylistically, these teams are very much um, focused on trying to prevent a, I mean, create a style of soccer that fans will actually want to see because that's how you're going to grow the game. So, yeah, I'm definitely, when I when I look at this lineup for, for Philadelphia, I see, a, I, I would imagine that Philadelphia is probably going to hope and pray that they can possess the ball and they can just hold on to it and hold on to it, and then they can hope, uh, beyond hope, that Sporting makes a mistake as far as positioning goes. Maybe they try to attack Busio and see if they can get him, you know, you know, make him, you know, force a mistake out of him. Maybe they see if they can catch Zussi off guard because we know Zussi sometimes he'll he'll sell out on offense and then he won't get back on defense, and so we see that happen. Now, we saw that against New York City uh, NYCFC last year where they were attacking from from Zussi's side because he wasn't getting back on defense. Uh, this is one of the things that that they could they could try to do to to take advantage of that. But you know the way this formation is set up, it's very defensive minded, and uh, it kind of leads questions about their counter. Well, I think Jillian's point to to Jillian's point as far as like it's the home opener. Just by looking at this lineup, you can tell their 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 plan is to pack it in. And hope they get a one-one. Yes, you know, they get a point out of it. Or maybe they can they're, just. They're not looking to look. Sporting strength of possessing the ball is, is what they're weakest at. So packing it in and just hoping for for a draw and getting a point, they'll consider that a victory all day. Well, they, a huge victory. Yeah. Or they can just see if they can you know hold on to it and then sneak a goal and see see if they can steal a one-zero victory. I mean, with, certainly with you hope that they are going to bring a game. You don't want anybody to come in and just park the bus and just wait for the time. To, to pass. Some teams try to Sometimes, do it. However, some, teams try, some teams try to do it. <laughs> however, this could be one of those matches. They are coming off a 3-1 loss to Toronto. This is their first road match. I'm hoping they bring some energy. I, I'm hoping they bring a game plan that does not consist of parking the bus. However, looking at the lineup, like Don't we just look mentioned. Like it. I know. <laughs> it looks like that. So what, what I look, I see this, first of all, is the center of the field is just so exposed. And Sporting Kansas City lives in the center of the field. So Ilya... Yep is going to have his hands full with Fabian because he's he's old. He's not a fiery nine that's going to be moving all over the place. He's going to sit in and Crafty. expect. Yeah, he's he's going to be looking for those cheeky passes. Did you go on thesaurus.com and look up? Oh. <laughs> off the top of the head, Crafty. off the top of the dome. Sir. No, but he's going to kind of stand, you know, hang out, and he's going to hold his space, and so Ilya is going to have some responsibility there. However, I believe that this game, Gutierrez and Busio are going to have a lot of free reign in the center of the field there, and I believe they're going to be able to create create quite a bit 
for Gerso, Russell, Shallowy, whoever we see on the wing. Um, the two guys up top are speedy, and let's be honest, Zussi probably had one of the worst matches we've seen him play this last CCL game. So that is, you know, I guess an area of concern for me. Um, do I think he's going to sort out whatever happened when he let in? You know, he was at fault for two goals last match, and that's not that's out of character for him. Um, so I think he'll get it together, and I think he'll bring a regular performance. But those two speedy wingers are going to be a handful for Sinovic and Zusi. I think the uh, the interesting thing for Vermees, I think one of the ways he can really take advantage of this is they decide to park the bus, <laughs> is he's got a high press early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. He's got to go in there, and he's got to, like, make sure that front line is pressing those guys on that back line. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, just from this lineup, it doesn't look like they're very confident on their defense. <laughs> so if they make a mistake possessing the ball and Sporting's able to get the ball and get get it with advantage, we could see a pretty quick goal out there. This is one of the things that, you know, that you see a lot of teams over in Europe do. Whenever you've got a team that likes cuz Barcelona loves to possess the ball. They well, love to sit around and kick the ball, short passes, I mean, even, but just keep it. Yeah, they just, yeah. just yeah, they just and I mean, sit that's there what and they sporting just, does. Yeah, yeah, they play that Barcelona that's, style. Yeah, yeah, they they do play play the Barcelona style. But I mean, one a of the things more attack that, minded. But and this is one of the reasons why teams have been doing this with Sporting this year is they've been running high press on them and it, and it worked against against LA. They were forcing fouls and LA was getting opportunities. <laughs> and same thing with Independiente too. They yeah. were they were running high press and they were uh, able to get tons of chances. You know. So if you get a team that's that's you know trying to possess it off their back line, especially with their center backs, which I really hate, um, you know it it gives you an opportunity if you high press, you can force turnovers mm-hmm. and you can get opportunities, really clean opportunities at goals. And so I think early on, if they decide to do that, they decide to park that bus over there in their half of the field. This gives you an opportunity to high press and see if you can get an early goal. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that. You change their strategy completely. Right. You get up one nothing in the first twenty oh, minutes. Yeah. Yep. The game changes completely, and at that point, Philadelphia's got to open up, and that would play more to your strengths after strengths after that. Well, yeah. going, going back to the Busio uh, topic, you know, obviously Peter knows what he's doing, and right. the fact that this is probably the perfect game aside from it being an opener because of Philadelphia's style of play mm-hmm. to get him in there because there's not as much pressure because that's not a strength of theirs as far as the midfield goes. So Busio will have the ability to kind of take his time with it and kind of get a feel for it and, and not feel so much pressure just because he's going to have that, again, the surrounding talent around him and, and have the time to kind of not feel the pressure. In all likelihood, they're not going to be very aggressive. No, exactly. Just because I mean, of the formation. we say this, and nobody comes into the game not being, you know, not bringing their A right. game, so to speak. It's not I mean, like they I've seen the U.S. men's national team not bring their A game all well, the time. Well, that's a whole other <laughs> topic. But in MLS home <laughs> openers or MLS, you know, beginning of the season or any MLS match, you're not going to – you know, sometimes we do see that managers have decided to – change up the lineup, make a bunch of changes. Philly didn't make changes. Like, this is their number one lineup. So they're bringing their first team. You know, they're they're starting with that. However, I think that they're intelligent enough to understand the circumstances and understand where they are. A couple of things that I do think that could be challenging is I do think, and I know we haven't really talked about it, but I do think the back line is going to miss the pure athleticism of Icopara. I don't – I would, And the leadership. And leadership, as much as I respect Ike, I don't think he was the most, like, technically technically 1v1 defender. I don't think he was the strongest. No. However, his athleticism 
rarely resulted in him getting beat. You know, it caused him to win most tackles, aerial and ground. So I do think with two speedy up top, you know, Philly Union for- wingers, I do think that they could pose a threat if um, Zusi and Sinovic are caught out of position. Previously, Sporting relied on Icopara. So his athleticism kept him back there. He was recovering. Now, Beasler, I think, had one of the, his best seasons in 2018. Um, and so I hope to continue to see that from him, but I do think that these two speedy up top, uh, guys from, from the union could pose a threat because sporting is lacking the athleticism of Opara. Yeah. And that's the reason why it's going to be important that Zussi and Barath are on game. They're on their game because otherwise there can be some issues there. Teams taking advantage of that. Like one of the things that we see is that. Especially when we in the the second leg of that Western Conference final, teams were you know players you you saw the striker slip in between uh, Opara and Beasler and yeah. be able to get goals and right. you know or guys on the back line not pressing and that's one of the problems is when you're not pressing when guys are starting to get into the eighteen or right around the eighteen and they get some space to take a shot well then you see what happened with Diamante last week where he got some space. Because they were down a man, and he was able to get a nice shot off, and he was able to get a goal. Same thing happened uh, with I think it was the first goal that uh, that Portland scored in that at Children's Mercy Park last year. Yep, Ilya was easily yep. ten yards away from him, mm-hmm. and the yeah, dude just lined up and smashed. Nobody there, and Melia was not expecting to have to defend a shot from that far out. Right. And you know when that shot was let loose, he he couldn't defend it, and so that's the reason why it's so important to be able to press. And so it's going to be important that Zusi and and Baratha are there. To they're communicating and they understand. Okay, this guy's my responsibility. I've got to pressure him. All right, that was the Union starting lineup. You've heard now Sporting Kansas City's starting lineup, Union star lineup. We are approaching game time. We've got one more segment. We're going to talk quickly about uh, the Drew the World Cup bid that Kansas City has submitted, and then we will get to game time. Hang with us. minutes from kickoff we are going to pause quickly because we have some updates for you on the bid that kansas city entered for the world cup 2026 to uh for the matches to be in kansas city so again chris unocero out at sporting kansas city's media day on friday we had we had a he had a chance to hear from both jake reed president of sporting kansas city and david ficklin chairman of this bid um, oh, I'm going to botch his title, but he is the chairman. He is leading the force behind. I think this he said bid. his title was way too long. Anyways, he would never give himself enough credit. But exactly. this man does so much behind the scene work. He's worked on Olympics in the past. He's worked on so many things. And now he is leading the charge as far as uh, the bid for Kansas City. So let's hear what they have to say. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a time behind the scenes, um, and David can probably speak a little more in the weeds on the details, but um, as you can imagine, and as it's been very public, we've got some renovations that would have to be done at Arrowhead, which we've been working through with the Chiefs, and they've been great uh, on that front. We've got um, great support from both sides of the state line, and, and you know, kind of KCK, KC Mo, uh, the Sports Commission, and Kathy Nelson and her group have been incredibly helpful and kind of rallying everything. So I think we're to a point now where we're, you know, we've got kind of the committee established to, to really, you know, fundraising is going to be a big piece of this moving forward as we try to establish, um, you know, we've got to do a bunch to get ready for this thing. But 
Uh, it's, it's been busy, so Dave, you may be able to do a little more in the weeds on where we are. But. Yeah, sure, thank you. You know, tactically, we're trying to show that even though there are some questions about our data and transportation and the, and the Arrowhead field size, we're advancing the planning for that to the point where we'd be three years out from the World Cup. It's, it's what I've been used to doing, and so it's natural, as we are the thought leaders in soccer here in the Kansas City metropolitan area, to take that planning, because we know it needs to be done, and advance it so that when the evaluation takes place, FIFA and U.S. Soccer say, you know, these guys have got it all. They're, they're two years beyond us in planning. So, you know, we have a, a strategy there to really advance our planning. And then, you know, Jake was talking about the, six, the, uh, the support we have. In the first stage of the bid, we told the story of two cities and two states coming together, united, to support Kansas City's bid. And in the past couple months, we've been reaching out to really the 10, 11 states that uh, are surrounding us. And these are states where the kids come to Kansas City on a weekly basis to play in tournaments anyways. And so the travel to Kansas City is part of their soccer life. And we started to tell them about how we're using the excitement of the World Cup bid to continue to grow soccer, and these states want to be a part of it. And so we've really um, changed the focus of the bid in this final stage from bring the World Cup to Kansas City to bring the World Cup to the Midwest, because there are 50 million Americans within a one-day drive, and you know that's over that's almost 500,000 youth soccer players, and it's an easily that number or more kids who don't play the sport that we have a chance to inspire and introduce the game to. So those are those are two things we're working on right now. That is an update. Um, big things happening in soccer in Kansas City. And as David Ficklin and Jake Reed just informed us, not just Kansas City, but the Midwest. I could go on and on about this and how excited I am. But Chris and I are going to break this down a little further on our show Thursday. So Jill and Carol Unocero, tune in 7 p- 8, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. <laughs> um, big things happening. A lot of people working toward this goal. And we will share with you how you can also be a part of that. But Chris, the game is approaching. Yep. Uh, home opener, Sporting Kansas City hosting Philadelphia minutes. Union. Oh, look at your math. Yeah. I'm, I'm better at the small math. I you're, gave him a heads up, so he was math. counting. I saw it. He was like his fingers well, I just, were I just looked at the I just looked at the <laughs> thing, and I was like, 15 minutes. That's easy. No, it's definitely going to be a big match. Uh, I mean, it is a big match. I think it's going to be good soccer. I think I know Peter Vermees' plane is going to be that possession, but fast and furious, so right away. I, I mean, I'm expecting a goal in the first 20 minutes. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know who it's going to be first. Maybe make a guess. Ru- maybe make Russell. A guess. I'm no, don't say, go don't say maybe. Make a definitive. Okay. This is how we do predictions. You have to be definitive. Which I'm prediction. going with Russell first 20 minutes um, just because I feel like I just I, I love the way he plays. He's I about think do. is probably going to be involved in some way, shape, or form, but I'm going with Russell. Uh, I think uh, I do. I, I agree with you. I think they're going to score early. I think the it, I think I don't think they're going to play the possession game early on. I think they're going to try to score as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. They want to get the crowd really into it, mm-hmm. and they want to demoralize Philadelphia Ooh, as quickly as possible. Just go at them. Yeah, you want to you want to you want to go for the throat as quick as you can. So I think they go in, they try and uh, get a goal as quick as possible. I think Gutierrez is the one that gets the goal this time. Ooh. I think he's. I think they crowd the box. I think, um, you know, they they kind of. Search around, look for someone with an open lane. Gutierrez sneaks in there like he was doing early on last year, and he gets his goal. 
I'm going. I'm going Ilya. I think. Oh, I, uh, again, really? I think just Ilya. with the with, with the midfield the way it is, and them playing control and you know controlling the ball and, and the flow of the game, I think it's going to come from the midfield. He's probably going to have some space. Yeah, he's going to have some space. He What's had a the, banger. Uh, Who was that against? Uh, that Toluca? was in Toluca. Second Ooh. game in Toluca. Obviously, he's had multiple PKs and finished mm-hmm. those, but that goal was pretty. Yeah. What's the final score? Ooh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three nil. Three nil. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I think once they get one, it's gonna be like a scoring flurry. Vegas. I think... Vegas is the over under at three goals. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, I literally got it on my BR app. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going three nil. I am gonna go two nothing. Okay. I'm right there I, with you. I'm going two nil. It's funny because usually you go 2 1, uh, Julio. That's your thing is to go 2 1. So I'm actually surprised. I don't think, yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's it's going to be 2 nothing. I think they get a goal early and then I think they that's when they go to the possession. And then that's once they go to the possession, then they try and uh, work their way back down the field. Second half would get one early in the uh, second half. And then mm-hmm. from there, it's game over. I see this is going to be a game where. They compete with each other who can score and who can do it faster and better and flashier. So I definitely I, think early to, on they're going to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine like Rockets will be trying to go That's out right. there and score. And then Namath, I think, will want to do some things. And yeah. then I think we'll see Shallowy. And well, I think that he'll want to join I in think on that. Gerso is going to try to get a PK. He's going to try to jump into the nearest player he can. Jump into it. That's what he does. He doesn't do it as much as Latif Blessing did. Latif Blessing looked for someone to jump into. Yeah, but, yeah. Anyway, big match. Tune in. Catch the game. If you are there listening to us, thank you. Uh, thank anybody you. Anybody who did listen, we appreciate you. First ever special. Uh, if you want to call Spec and let him know that you want to hear us Don't every weekend. No, email Spec. <laughs> Don't call Spec. Okay, you can text us if you want. 69306 and let us know you want to hear from us every weekend. That'd be great. This is the Jillian Carroll Uno Cero crew signing out and wishing sporting the best of luck. Mercedes Benz is an official. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.